So thanks all for joining. I'm Peter Down. I'm here on call in every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. If you want to ask a question or make a comment, you can download the call-in app. Also, please don't forget to sign up for my newsletter, peterdow.substack.com. Today's topic is very personal for me and my wife, Leela. She required life-saving emergency surgery in 2016 for an ectopic pregnancy. And if it were up to Republican lawmakers, she wouldn't be alive today. So I'm going to give you some background and then we'll bring Leela into the conversation. Some of you may have heard that Missouri Republicans have proposed a bill that would make it a crime to terminate an ectopic pregnancy, punishable by years in prison. And like other Republican bills that criminalize choice, this is outright barbaric. It puts the handmaid's tale to shame. An ectopic pregnancy implants outside the uterus. It is 100% non-viable and the leading cause of death for pregnant people in the first trimester. Ectopic pregnancies are basically a death sentence if untreated. They can rupture organs and cause severe internal bleeding. And this isn't the first time ectopic pregnancies have been targeted by the GOP. You know, if you go online and talk about this particular Missouri bill, they're sort of trying to parse the language in a way to make it look like it's not targeting these types of pregnancies. But in fact, Republicans have been after every type of pregnancy, including ectopic pregnancies. Let me read from a 2019 Guardian article. A bill to ban abortion introduced in the Ohio State Legislature, this 2019, requires doctors to, quote, re-implant an ectopic pregnancy into a woman's uterus. I'm still reading. A procedure that does not exist in medical science or they'd face charges of abortion murder. There is no such thing as re-implanting the topic pregnancy. And yet Republicans are proposing bills requiring that. To criminalize life-saving treatment, this is the the bottom line here, to criminalize life-saving treatment for women is to advocate for state-sanctioned murder of women, period. It's just that simple. Even if this bill fails, and and it may in Missouri, the Republican Party's national assault on women's reproductive rights and health is going to kill women. Let's look at the abortion ban in Texas. I want to read a bit of a long uh, quote from an NPR story, but it's important because you get a sense of how the Texas law is endangering women's lives. So this is a quote. In the days after the new Texas abortion law took effect last September, Anna, I'm not sure that was her real name, but that's the name they were using, was planning her wedding to her fiance, Scott. They set a date for May, until she realized her period was almost two weeks late. And Anna told NPR, I don't want to be talking about this, but it's important to share because somebody is going to die eventually. Continue to read the NPR story. The Texas law bans most abortions as soon as any cardiac activity can be detected, usually around six weeks or about two weeks after a missed period. Most women don't know they're pregnant at that point. For Anna, there would have been little to no time to get an abortion in Texas by the time she discovered her pregnancy. When their wedding day arrived, she was 19 weeks pregnant, and she was in her wedding dress, getting makeup done with her bridesmaids when she noticed something was wrong. It felt like something was coming out of me, she said, so I freaked out. I literally wet my dress in the seat that I was in, she says. Her water had broken too early for the baby to survive. She and Scott spent the night of their wedding in the emergency room trying to take in the news. Continuing the article, basically the doctor looked at me and said, The baby's underdeveloped, even with the best care in the world, they're not going to survive. And as painful as it was to hear that, the doctors told Anna there was another urgent concern. And this is a quote from the doctor. You're at a high chance of going septic or bleeding out, she says the doctors told her. A risk of infection or hemorrhage, which could become deadly. And unfortunately, the doctors say we recommend termination, but we cannot provide you one here in Texas because of this law. So I'll stop there with that article. You get the point. These right-wing extremist laws are designed to oppress and in some cases kill women. She survived to tell her story, but there are women who won't. And that's the GOP's war on women. So before I bring Leela in to share her story, I want to read uh, from my own book, 
I wrote a whole chapter, this is my book from 2019, I devoted an entire chapter to the abortion issue. And this is a quote from a CNN article. In the 18th and most of the 19th century, abortions were allowed under common law and widely practiced. The National Abortion Federation noted that in the mid to late 1800s, states began passing laws that made abortion illegal. And the motivations for anti-abortion laws varied from state to state. I'm reading from this uh, article. One of the reasons included, including fears that the population would be dominated by the children of newly arriving immigrants whose birth rates were higher. So there again is your typical American racism playing a part. And here's, a, here's sort of a broader view of what anti-choice, anti-choice laws are, this Republican assault on women and the oppression of women really is. Bell Hooks, who, who recently passed away, explained, this is a quote, the idea that a woman's existence is only meant for bearing children is a central belief of both patriarchal and Christian societies. Continuing to read from Bell Hooks, by demanding that women have access to abortion and contraception, feminism threatens this fundamentalist thinking. So I want to bring Leela in to talk about what an ectopic pregnancy did to her life. You know, she describes it as a ticking time bomb. So I'm going to pause one minute just to get Leela connected here. So Leela, can you unmute? Hi, everyone. And uh, thank you all for uh, joining. And, um, you know, to share the story of my ectopic pregnancy is a difficult one. And um, one that's shared by many, many women across the world. Ectopic pregnancies make up 1% to 2% of all the pregnancies. And um, it's, a, it's a devastating and traumatic experience. You know, every, every experience of it, no matter the severity. And I apologize in advance if I get emotional while I speak. Um, so when Peter and I made our first appointment for an ultrasound with my doctor, it, um, it was an exciting time for us. Um, we love if this is I know this is difficult for you and I love you and um, I can keep if, if you're not OK, let me know. But if OK. I'm OK. <laughs> um, we went to the doctor and it was um, supposed to just be a routine first checkup with blood tests and ultrasound and um, at the doctor, you know, the, the doctor was very chatty and very friendly. And as I was doing the ultrasound, she suddenly got quiet and Peter and I were, you know, wondering, okay, what's going on? And the doctor called in another doctor to come see, to get a second opinion and to see what was happening. And the problem was they didn't see anything happening. They couldn't find anything in my uterus. So there was a concern there. So they said, you know, we, we just need to get the blood test results and we'll call you in a few hours, just be available to us. So a few hours pass and I get a call from the doctor who said, you know, you're pregnant, but we don't know where the embryo is. So we're going to send you in for some testing. So we need to get you to an ultrasound center right away. So we went to an ultrasound center. And after an excruciating 1520 minutes of an ultrasound technician looking for this wayward embryo, um, she had a look of extreme concern on her face. And, you know, I, I worked in the healthcare industry for a number of years and to see that look on her face really was jarring. And Peter and I asked her, you know, can you tell us what's going on? And she said, I cannot tell you because I'm not your doctor, but she grabbed me by the shoulders and looked me right in the eye and said, call your doctor right away. 
call your doctor right away. This is serious, call your doctor right away. And so I did. And the doctor said, unfortunately, you know, the, the baby's outside of the uterus and it's very dangerous. I need you to get to the emergency room right away. And so we did. We went to the emergency room and after a number of hours, the doctors uh, decided that they were going to, as a first course of treatment, give me a shot of a drug called methotrexate, which is a chemotherapy drug, which would chemically terminate the pregnancy. And after about a week of intense side effects, extreme fatigue, nausea, temporary hair loss even, I went back to the doctor for tests to see if the medication worked and it didn't. And the doctor was going to prescribe another round of the chemotherapy. And Peter being very concerned because seeing how, how horribly it affected me and because it didn't work, pushed the doctor to you know, look for some other treatment to push the doctor to see if there was something going wrong. And the doctor relented and said, okay, did another ultrasound and found that it didn't work at all. And in fact, the embryo was bigger and stronger and had a heartbeat. And at that point, the doctor realized it would have been dangerous to give me methotrexate again and ordered me, sent, uh, sent me to have an emergency surgery. She said, okay, we got to get you to the hospital. I'm going to get ready and we're going to operate on you tonight. And so went to the hospital and, you know, luckily the doctor is a very skilled surgeon and I came out of the surgery alive, you know, and I am grateful every day to have survived that situation because there are so many women who haven't. There, because ectopic pregnancies happen in the first trimester, a lot of times it happens before women even know that they're pregnant. The way that they find out that they're pregnant is because they're in the emergency room because something has ruptured and they need emergency surgery or they're bleeding out and they need you know, massive transfusions of blood. And it's such a painful and traumatizing experience. One where it's an experience where you're anticipating life, but instead you're facing death. And, and I call ectopic, I, I say that ectopic pregnancies are like ticking time bombs. You literally have something that can rupture inside of you. And these monstrous, murderous men who introduced these legislations are saying, essentially, we're going to wait. You have to wait. You as a woman, you have to wait until that bomb explodes inside of you before you can get help. And these doctors who take a solemn oath to protect the life of every patient in front of them, to save the life of every patient in front of them who needs saving can't do that. If these, these bills were to become law, for them to uphold their oath and save the life of a woman who is experiencing an ectopic pregnancy could send them to prison. And the author of that bill said he doesn't even think that goes far enough. He thinks it should be a capital crime. It's, it's beyond outrageous. Leela, thank you for sharing the story. It's, um, you know, I know how much it still hurts you and both of us to this day. That was probably, you know, one of the worst weeks, a couple of weeks of our, of our life together. And we've been together for 10 years. Um, you know, I, I, I want to say one thing that I want to, uh, ask Shauna and, uh, Stephanie to, to weigh in. Look, I, I, the abortion issue and this issue overall is an exceptionally important dividing line to many, many people in this country. 
you know, some people sort of scoff at, oh, it's culture wars. And, but those of you who, who know Republicans know that this is perhaps the single most important issue to Republican voters. Now, here's the problem. In the end, no matter how you look at this morally, it is a woman's choice, period. It doesn't matter how you think of it. It doesn't matter how a stranger thinks of it. It doesn't matter how anyone thinks of it. This is a matter of a personal right and a personal choice. Also, I want to talk about hypocrisy. If you are going to say that you value life, and of course, how to define life and the inception and conception of life, all those things we know are unbelievably difficult. But if you decide that you know when life begins and you've decided you have the right to determine when it begins and when it ends, then you are not morally consistent if you support policies that result in the taking of life, in death, in killing. Gun policy, for example, a morally consistent position for a republic would be ban all guns because guns are responsible. People who use guns, you know, they say, oh, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Well, people use guns to kill people. You shouldn't let people be starving. You shouldn't let kids be starving. You shouldn't support the bombing of other countries, the arming of countries that bomb children, the lack of health care. I could reel off an hour of policies that Republicans support that result in the killing and taking of life, happily support it. And yet on this one issue, it's this absolutist position. We are defending life. And moral consistency matters because you have nothing without it. You don't have a moral position if it's selective. It's no longer a moral position. Principles applied selectively are not principles. So I'd like to ask uh, Shauna and Stephanie, who are good friends, if either one of you would like to unmute and weigh in. Um, always value your, your, your opinions. Maybe, uh, Shauna, you want to go first? You were in the room. Yeah, Leela, um, hi. Are you okay? Yeah, I am, Shauna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Um, first of all, oh, <laughs> uh, I need another minute again. Um, okay, bear with me. Uh, Leela, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your heart. It's it's not easy to speak our pain and our truth into the world. And as you were talking, I'm over here crying. And I thought, I'm just going to click out of the call because I can't get on the call again crying. And But you know what, Leela, you have the power and you have the strength to come on and share your story. So the least that we all can do is stand here in solidarity. And I want to tell you, thank you. Thank you, Leela, because I appreciate the care and the love that you provide and how you center BIPOC women on your platform. And I'm so, so sorry for your pain. And I'm so sorry for your pain, Peter. It's excruciating. I, I too had an ectopic pregnancy and would have died without surgery. And it's one of the most traumatizing things I've ever been through. So I'm, I'm, I'm here with you and I'm just so sorry. I'm reliving everything as well as you're speaking. And it's just, it's outrageous it's outrageous to think that this is even a bill. It's outrageous to think that in 2022, we are still talking about how men feel entitled to make decisions for women, period, let alone women's bodies. It's, it, I, I can't wrap my head around it, you know, and as a reminder for all of those listening, an ectopic pregnancy is actually a misnomer. Because it's a cluster of unviable cells that will, with 100% certainty, murder the person if it's not removed. I mean, it's literally like refusing to treat a burst appendix. So the very idea that a woman is forced to choose between death or jail, 
you guys, I can't even, <laughs> I, I've been trying to wrap my mind around this for days. I don't get it. My God. I mean, no offense, Peter, and I'm sorry, but please fuck all the way off. White politicians to the very end of the earth for even thinking that you have a right to dictate what is is okay for women, period. How about we stop criminalizing women's healthcare decisions? How about we stop weaponizing abortion and abortion access? How about we stop criminalizing reproductive justice? How about we just stop authoring bills on women's bodies, period? Any bodies, trans bodies, black bodies, brown bodies, indigenous bodies, period. It's outrageous. It's racist. It's misogynistic. And it has to end. Leela, I love you. Thank you for sharing your truth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Shauna. Thank you for sharing your experience as well. And thank you for your kind words. And, and I share in your outrage. It really is outrageous. Yeah. Because, because women, women should be able to make these decisions. Pregnant people should be able to make these decisions yes. for their own bodies, exactly. for their own lives. And their healthcare providers who have trained for years and are experts should be able to provide the care that they have so duly sworn to provide to every person that comes in front of them. And it's, it's really an indictment of this really misogynistic, racist system. Yeah. Because you know what? The, the women who are dying the most in this country are Black women. Yes. You know, I, I was reading, there was this NIH study that Black women, ectopic pregnancies are the fifth leading cause of maternal death in black women, even more, more so than any other, any other race in yeah. this country. And yeah. aside, you know, every stage, women of color, even before pregnancy, after pregnancy, you know, we face so many hurdles in this healthcare system. You know, I, I, I didn't talk about a lot of the difficulties I had in my care with with racism from OBGYNs in my lifetime and yeah. other doctors, they, they dismiss how we feel. So imagine a black woman going to a doctor experiencing, going to an emergency room, experiencing an ectopic pregnancy, which often comes with severe pain and right. having their pain completely ignored and completely brushed off. Exactly. And, and, and people know this is how the system is. These white men just don't yes. care no. they're murderous they hate women they hate women of color and they should absolutely not be allowed by any measure to have any sort of control over anyone's lives amen amen perfect thank you go ahead yeah I, I wanted to add i don't want to get in the middle of this conversation i respect you both so much um shana thank you for sharing your pain as well and I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I do want to make a point, you know, I'm, this particular conversation is about Republicans, but I do not want to let Democrats off the hook. You know, you think about the Supreme Court. Uh, many activists, leftist activists and progressive activists have called for an expansion of the Supreme Court, which is about to end Roe v. Wade. And what did Joe Biden's administration do? They put together a sham commission that came back with a recommendation that they don't really quite know if it's the right thing to do, a complete dodge and a complete excuse. So we should not let Democrats off the hook. All they do is fundraise off this issue, of course. But to actually make meaningful a meaningful defense of women's reproductive rights, nah, they, they don't do that either. So I just want to make that clear. This is the entire system that does that. Um, let me turn to Stephanie. Stephanie, thanks for being patient. Would you like to weigh in? You can unmute yourself, please. Just hit the bottom on the lower right, Stephanie, if, if you'd like to speak. Uh, Stephanie, I'll, I'll give you one more second. I'm not sure, uh, you know, the microphone icon on the lower right, if you can click that to unmute because you're still muted. Okay, I'll give you one more second. I'm not sure if you're having a technical issue. 
So, I, you know, I wanted to raise one more important point about the abortion issue, because very, very often you'll hear biblical references from right-wingers and Republicans. And it's almost accepted as common knowledge that abortion is explicitly prohibited in the Bible. Now, of course, leftists will say this is not a country where our laws and our rights are determined by the Bible. But I think it's very important to note that the Bible does not, you know, uh, Lila went to Catholic school. I was raised Catholic in Lebanon. You know, I used to go to ancient churches, a deep, 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 long history of of um, of Christianity in the mountains of Lebanon. We're talking old stone churches where I was baptized. These are churches that are six, seven hundred years old. So you have long traditions and a sort of deep understanding how religion can infuse itself into every aspect of life. That's how I grew up. Now, of course, as I've evolved in my life and grown up and I've started to see the entire realm of spirituality that, you know, Christian faith and separating that from the dogma of, of, of religion and organized religion is a matter of spirituality, as is the Muslim faith, Jewish faith. My mother um, is Jewish, Buddhist, etc., but let's focus for a minute on the Bible. The Bible does not prohibit abortion explicitly anywhere. And in fact, mention, mentions abortion as an acceptable punishment. So there's a notion that somehow the Bible prohibits abortion. And this is why, because this is the logic. When you discuss with right-wingers and Republicans, you discuss the abortion issue, it, all, and it inevitably moves to an issue of religion and Christianity specifically. Uh, Stephanie, I want to see if you um, are able to unmute. There you go. Uh, sorry, my the app locked up on me. I apologize. Uh, Leela, Shauna, both of you, I, I, I can't imagine what that must have been to go through. And I, I my heart goes out to both of you. And thank you so much for being willing to, to share your experience so that hopefully other people can hear what this, 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 these bills, these horrible, horrible bills that are so disrespectful of both of you as people have no business in existing. We went through this in Georgia a few years ago with the heartbeat bill and, you know, it was inevitably struck down as unconstitutional by a federal judge in the state as, you know, many of these bills are and hopefully will be the same in Missouri, but they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop trying to take away your right to health. I mean, this is what we're talking about, your your right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. They they want to take these things away. And so the point one of the points I, I want to bring up is in 2009, the Democrats had a supermajority, and they could have put this into law. They could have stopped this from happening. But instead of protecting women's rights and lives, they use abortion as a political football. And they won't even put it up for a vote to stop it. This could all go away. All they have to do is pass the pass pass a law that codifies Roe v. Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood, and they don't do it. And so that makes them, in my opinion, conspirators with the Republican Party putting these these heinous bills forward. And you know, I I, ha I don't hear any of them talking about why they don't. And, but we know that it, it it's their blue team versus red team mentality that they want to use your lives, women's lives, as political footballs. And it's just unconscionable to me. You're, you're absolutely right. 
you know, the, the, and I'll let uh, Sean and Leela respond. Of course, I just wanted to, to, to react to, to the political aspect of what you're saying. This entire system is rotten to its core. And I've been in politics for more than 20 years now. And things have gotten more and more right wing and more and more extremist to the right with each passing day. It's one of the reasons that I left the Democratic Party, because I realized this dance of the du duopoly, these two parties, never really results in progress. doesn't matter who has the majority and when they have the majority. And, you know, abortion and women's reproductive rights is one of those areas where it's been backsliding and backsliding and getting worse and worse and worse. And as we say, Democrats simply... Democratic leaders, I should say, fundraise off of this. So, Lila or Sean, I didn't. I don't know if you wanted to respond to, to uh, Stephanie's point, but you're welcome to. And if, if 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 not, let's take some callers. Let's go to you know D D. You have never um, asked a question, so go ahead. Can you unmute yourself? Hey, Peter, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Hey, great. I'm first of all, I would just I want to say I'm so glad to have someone who's on the left. Um, and I don't mean left in terms of like I mean like left versus liberal who's talking about this issue because I've just seen um so much of kind of the left, I should say, that the non liberals in the Democratic Party kind of avoid cultural issues. So I guess my question is do you think the best do you think the best way to combat this um assault on women's uh, rights is to, I guess, wait for Republicans to self-destruct and, and um, hope that they, hope that they, um, you know, expose themselves and then the pushback is too much because like, I wonder if some of these bills are kind of just similar to the CRT bills or just put out there to see what the reaction is and then to see what they can get away with and see like what the engagement is because, you know, with these people having no morals and not caring about women, the only way I see uh, them to retract the bills is to, you know, is if the polling is so bad that they're like, we have to, because they have no morals. So we're not going to guilt people out of it. So so that's my question. I think that's an excellent question. And I appreciate I appreciate it. And thanks for joining and, and for contributing. Look, I I actually don't think they will stop. And you're right. There is no shame because there's no conscience. And when there's no conscience, They'll stop at nothing. But I actually think this is going to get worse and worse and worse. You know, I, I mentioned The Handmaid's Tale earlier, and I don't know if you've all seen it, but if you haven't, you should. But I think we're going really one step further. I mean, when we talk about these types of bills, when we're talking about Texas or we're talking about Missouri and others, Ohio, et cetera, we're really talking about you know, Gilead on steroids, again, for a Handmaid's Tale reference. We're talking about just completely criminalizing women's health, completely oppressing women and forcing them to do the bidding of a bunch of strangers, a bunch of white men sitting in a room legislating. So I think the answer to your question is, you know, my, my, my reply to how, to how do we fix this is, of course, we need to, you know, tear down the whole system and build a new one. Am I calling for a violent revolution? No, but I am calling for and trying to work my best toward changing the whole system. I do not believe the Democratic Party leadership or establishment is going to do anything that it takes to stop Republicans from completely imposing a 100% ban on abortion in the United States. They're doing it step by step. And these are decades long plans. If you, if you look back to the sort of dark money, you know, oligarch funding for some of these Republican programs, these are things they began in the 1960s and 70s and 80s and been going on for decades. They play the long game. And, you know, to our dismay, the Democrats play along with that long game, even though they do a lot of performative opposition. But this is a systematic process that where we fight, I think, is in the streets. We protest, go on strike, and try to take down this whole system and build a better one. So I hope that answer it may be a vague answer, but yeah, that is what yeah. That, yeah. But that's yeah, what I I'm believe hoping. should happen. I'm hoping. I mean, there was a polling, I mean, 
your terms and hoping that politically there was a polling showing that somewhat something like like 25 a quarter of trump's even trump's voters were like pro-choice people so hopefully people um once this once stuff gets put in people's faces hopefully they realize um you know that they need to take action and everything yeah absolutely well i really appreciate your input i hope you come back next week thanks peter um, Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Um, Kusha, you have a question? Do you want to unmute? Hello, good evening, Peter. And I want to begin by thanking Shauna and Leela so much by sharing their pain so willingly and so uh, openly. It's, of course, very difficult to uh, reflect on such difficult experiences in one life that are so, experiences that are so traumatic. So uh, I'm very grateful uh, to have been uh, able to hear these um, these tellings, and I know it came with much challenge in that self-reflection, so I appreciate that is where I'd like to begin. Um, further, what I'd like to say is that I, I think it's important when you mention, uh, Peter, um, the religious element in uh, this issue. Uh, of course, abortion as an issue in the United States is at the nexus of so many different um, political issues and, and becomes its own major one, whether that's the nexus of, um, you know, sexual interaction or religion, you name it, uh, economics. And so I think that this religious element is so important in the United States because the majority of religious people in the United States historically have been uh, Christian people. Of course, the religious population in the United States is seeing now that there's a growth in the percentage of non-religious people at a pretty um, notable rate uh, degrees. And I think what you mentioned about Catholicism, or when you mentioned the Catholicism that was present in both your and Leela's backgrounds, what comes to mind for me is the fact that the Catholic Church's position is such that even contraception is intrinsically evil and immoral. And I think this is this has always been something that uh, was so peculiar and so strange to me ever since I first learned it, so, uh, you know, some years ago, which is, you know, even like male condoms, female condoms, so on and so forth, that this is immoral. And I think this position was laid out in the 60s by Pope Paul VI, that this is an evil act. And even in 2008, if I'm not mistaken, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith uh, reiterated uh, that um, like newer forms of contraception, such as morning after pills and female condoms was one of the newer ones, that they fall within the sin of abortion and are gravely immoral. And this is just so strange to me that, you know, not even like, not even, not even like in the act of pregnancy or whatnot, not even um, upon impregnation. So I'd really love to know your reflections on that matter in terms of the religious wings, and typically it's the religious right wing. Um, I'm very critical of all religions. I was raised in a non-religious family. My, my parents fled from Islamic fundamentalism. My mom was supposed to be whipped. My dad's supposed to be killed. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, there are not people who are religious who are not huge role models of mine, like Chris Hedges or Cornell West. I love Cornell West dearly. He's probably the biggest um, influence uh, on me when it comes to political thinking from public intellectuals in the United States. Uh, however, I think that organized religions, in my view, certainly are in need of challenge. And in the United States, as we've seen, um, so much of the religious wing that has power, which is the Christian right wing, has been so nasty and devastating and cruel to whether that's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people, or um, woman when it comes to this matter of abortion, and uh, among other ways as well other means as well i'd really love to know your thoughts on that yeah thank you those are some really good points and um look the issue of you know we should probably do a conversation entirely on the issue of religion i, I grew up in beirut at the intersection of you know all the major religions and the wars around those religions so you know, it's been an integral part of my life. Look, all I can all I can speak to is my own view. And if you really separate out the life of, of and I'm talking about Christian faith right now, 
um, because as you say, predominantly these views um, in the United States, at least, the Christian faith is used as an excuse by right-wingers for bigotry and hate and xenophobia and racism. And it's just simply used an excuse, as, a, as a rationale, but not in any truly knowledgeable way. Because really, in a fundamental sense, if you look at the life of Jesus from from the Gospels and from maybe the one external reference to the life of, of, of Jesus, the man, we're talking about a deeply spiritual being. And these are teachings across the world in every organized religion and non-religions and, 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 and philosophies and systems of thought have all sort of expressed the same uh, sort of pathway to morality and to dealing with the basic fact that we die and that we're mortal. So dealing with the issues of mortality was really one of the fundamental reasons that religions and faiths exist. So just to answer your question, I know I'm, I'm going very broadly here, but to use religion as an excuse for hatred and oppression is probably one of the worst things that you can do. It is not an ethical system. It is not a moral system. You are, you are pulling out lines from the Bible or for any, from, 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 from any religious book to basically justify your hate and your exclusion and exploitation and oppression of other people. And so I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. So let's jump to, uh, to the next question. I want to keep these uh, talks relatively uh, you know, short within the hour. So next caller, please. Welcome back. Hi, welcome. Yeah, it's good to be back. How are you Thank guys you. doing tonight? Good, good, good. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, I would really like that talk on religion one day, if you're up for it, because I feel like the core of everything in this U.S., in, the, in America, on top of, you know, everything being built off white supremacy goes back to, and just like a little point, goes back to... Um, just like how the Catholic Church operates and how it operated on this idea of control rather than the idea of um, justice, right? Rather than what the Bible and what Jesus's teachings were intended to bring and how it operates on, you know, and how you can see that in pretty much every facet of life here from parenting, um, authoritarian parenting to, um, just everything you know it's it's it would be an interesting conversation because um we're supposed to be you know a religion uh, um a country of religious freedom and you know um i'm muslim personally right um and how these ideas of like control right uh, of of women should not get abortions because it's morally incorrect it just goes against direct things that are in the bible in the torah in the quran right and instead, um, well, you know, just like a big topic that we can talk one day about how so much of the society is built off of fear and control um, from religion and how that has warped so much instead of being built off of the justice ideals that are coming out of these religions. But anyway, I wanted to bring up that, you know, it's not just an attack on abortion, but it's uh, not not like a full ban because, you know, these people, they're, they, you can't get them on hypocrisy. They don't care. You know, um, these people will eat their children alive um, rather than ever, ever try to lose any ounce of power. You know, um, recently there was um, there was this case. Um, I mean, we, we saw it all through like the pandemic. I remember the um, well, the, uh, the, Amer the healthcare um fights back in 2017 when you had um people who were uh you know trump, trump uh, people who supported trump they would um sorry i'm starting so bad right now but they we, they were being told and they were interviewed that hey you know if you lose if we lose the i don't i don't know i don't remember what it's called obamacare whatever it's called um if you lose obamacare I forgot the official name. If you lose Obamacare, you know, you're going to lose all your health care and you're going to die. And these people in their, 
I really forgot the name. Oh my god, I don't want to call the, it. Obama you mean the you mean the ACA, right? The ACA. Yeah, the ACA. Oh my god, I'm right. calling it Obamacare. It's okay. But, um, Obamacare yeah, is what it ended up being called. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember these interviews and just being so shocked that people were like, um, I don't care if I lose my health care. And these were people who were like, the kind who were sick were like, they needed it or else they were going to die, right? Um, and they were like, I don't care if I lose it. You know, I'm just supporting Trump. So these people are willing to, I mean, they're a death cult. They're willing to throw their lives away, their kids' lives away, as long as it's about power. And that's what this is all about at the end of the day. And it's not just health care. It's um, the freedom to move. Right. Because what you're seeing with these um, anti-trans legislations and some of these abortion legislations um, is that they're having these uh, proponents in these bills where if you're moving to another state um, for health care, because um, they're both about health care, um, that you it doesn't matter because um, the state that you were coming from won't allow you to move like um i think it was missouri or like an m state they're saying they were the, the law was like you can't leave the state for an abortion because you will be pen um you'll get i don't know whatever the penalty penalty was and that's the same thing that's coming out of uh these anti-trans legislations where they're saying oh well, if you're moving out of texas um a lot of people um in my circle who are trans um, and who have studied, you know, fascism and stuff. Uh, I think it's Idaho as well, where it was saying something like, where it was saying something like, if you uh, leave the state for healthcare, um, and, and now they're classifying them as child abusers, right? That's that's the thing. If you leave the state, uh, well, we're gonna just drag you back and charge you as a federal criminal, right? So it's like it's it's bringing up um, Dred Scott, you know, it's bringing up all these like old basically like fugitive slave laws right um and some people are like oh well you're being like hyperbolic you're being and i'm like what do you mean i'm being hyperbolic right like we're living in an era that's unprecedented right um we're living in an era where these people are out loud and proud about wanting to kill trans kids so i don't think it's being hyperbolic to say that yes they will limit your right to move yes they will limit your uh your freedom to buy uh birth control from i don't know canada online and have it delivered to your doorstep yes they will it's not because it's not just about health care it's not just about abortion because abortion is health care it's about access to birth control it's about um i forgot who said it um the doctor's you know right to be a doctor to treat you it's about science it's about um because I really do see a future where all of women's health care, not just abortion, is completely like diminished because anything close to abortion, right, prenatal care, um, all these things. Right. And um, and they want to attack birth control. It's been said here and there, but it's usually diminished. It's usually kind of like dismissed because um, because it's usually tied to abortion. Right. But, you know, birth control is not just like um birth control like so many women that i know and girls and like you know people who aren't even sexually active they're on birth control for things like um picos for things like intense you know hormonal issues for things like you know just like intense uh periods just like for intense pain that they're on from their periods so many women like i'm telling you um pretty much i want to say maybe like a little over half of my friends are on birth control just for um just for issues that they're having with their periods and stuff. So, and, healthcare. You know, you're, you're, usually, you know, yep. we can deal yep. with like cramps and stuff, right? We can deal with cramps, but the cramps you get from Picos, it's, I mean, it's not just cramps. It's like your insides are like boiling, right? Like, like you're vomiting from the pain, like you're passing out from the pain. Like that's it. And it's like, I don't want to say common because it's still kind of like a bit of a rare not rare, but like a bit of an uncommon disease, but it's common enough that I have a lot of friends who are going through this. So it's not just abortion. And these people like they they just want, they honestly just want to kill people. Like that's what, that's what these Republicans who are fascists are. They want to kill people. They want to kill anybody who goes against their ideal of being, you know, like cis, hat, white, rich, Catholic, evangelical guy, anybody who will take away or challenge any ounce of power that they have. That's why they're going after children. That's why they're going after, you know, you know, like who's the most vulnerable person in society other than like a black woman, a trans child, you know, an undocumented person. And all of these bills are just targeted at not just like, getting not just getting rid of anything that might help us an ounce but killing us because that's what these bills are doing
You 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 know you are so um, so right about this, and I really appreciate uh, your contribution every week to these conversations. And you made such a good you know. There's a really good point that you made that people I think don't recognize. And in the research I was doing for my book, which as I said came out a few years ago, about this particular topic is that you hear a phrase like, oh, they're sending us back to the 19th century or we're going backwards. No, none of these laws existed. We are going to places we have never been before. This level of oppression of women and, as you say, this just murderous cult of we're just going to kill the other through the laws, this has not even existed this way. Yes, there's the institution of slavery, which is the foundation of this country, and the pillaging of the people who were here when Europeans came over. And that's the, that, is, that is the foundation of, of this entire nation. But I have to say, some of these people want to go even beyond that because they're still white supremacists and racists and Nazis, but they want to go steps further than we've been in the past. And it's terrifying. And, and you know, I, I am in awe of, of those activists who are out there in the streets, and I've said this before, putting their lives and bodies on the line to fight back against this. Um, I just, uh, Anthony, before you speak, I, I just wanted, uh, John, and thank you so much for your contribution. Masha, do you want to um, go ahead and unmute? Um, and thank you for joining. Just hit the lower, yeah, there you go. Hi, yes, I figured it out. I uh, <laughs> just uh, wanted to pop, like I'm calling from Canada, so oh, I okay. wanted Welcome. to offer my condolences basically and uh. <laughs> you know uh and that's you know by by luck i was born uh, in socialist yugoslavia came to eventually be in canada so at no time did i or my mom have issues with accessing um health care uh you know including reproductive and and otherwise so I, you know, hearing these stories, it really brings to mind that um, the U.S. is really like, I don't know in what way is it a democracy and I don't know in what way is it the, the developed world, you know? Yep. <laughs> so it's pretty much all. And I really, one last thing I can't help but address uh, with the previous call. There's a program uh, of, you know, creating a lifetime of dependency and when there's a gender non-conforming child to to sterilize them. And to me, as a lesbian woman, uh, that is that is very plain to see that whole like pharmacological intervention that creates a lifetime of dependency, um, cancer risk and so forth. So that's that's what my beliefs are about that. And, and, you're, and you're entitled to your belief. And, of course, um, that's an entirely other topic and will probably be worth an entire conversation. And, and of course, I would uh, want to give everybody a chance to respond to that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for your comment on this, the United States and, and, you know, the issues we're going through here. Uh, Anthony, uh, did you want to jump in quickly? And I wanted to sort of... Uh, in this conversation with either Shauna Leela or Stephanie uh, Wayne, but do, do Anthony have a quick comment? Um, you're muted. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm having problems with call and I probably have to reinstall it. Um, yeah, just a, a couple of quick things. Years ago, I read a book called Regulating the Lives of Women. And it's all about, you know, the state's attempt to regulate every aspect socially, economically and biologically of the lives of women in society and that it really does have a connection with the the marketplace and controlling who has access to it pregnancy uh, unintended pregnancy being one way that women aren't able to access the marketplace in the way they could if they weren't pregnant if it's not done by choice and so that there's a whole kind of connection there so it's even more um nefarious than just the horribleness of the laws themselves it's the goal to control women's access to resources and um, it also goes along with um, trying to weaken domestic violence laws and other things which also affect the lives of women but 
one quick thing I wanted to say is that I believe that the more that, and, and I'm sorry, I, I didn't get to hear the rest of the discussion if someone covered this, I apologize, but the more that Democrats abandon the bread and butter kitchen table issues that the working class cares about, I believe the more room they make for Republicans to use the culture war uh, as a way to get channel people's anger at the other. Um, because, you know, time and time again, when we look at polling, abortion, LGBTQ plus issues, they're not at the top. Um, kitchen table issues are. And if neither of the two parties is filling the gap and helping workers meet their needs, then these really horrible culture wars and attacks on women and trans people and LGBTQ plus people all, all together become the one thing that people who feel abandoned by their government can, well, not all of us, of course, but those that are more conservative can feel that they can latch onto to channel their anger because they're, you know, they're not getting medical care. They're not getting a living wage. Their rent is too high. So they deflect and the Republicans are masters at that, but the Democrats leave the gap. They don't do what needs to be done to get people to understand what living in a connected society feels like. And yeah, I, I think you have a good you have a good point there, Anthony. Although uh, you know, counterpoint would be that there really is no excuse or explanation or any rationale for you know the, the right wing extremism that dominates this country. It, it, I always laugh when people say, "Oh, you know, the Democrats are are to the left, right, and policies are leftist, and we're moving too far left." Lord, this is a an extremist right wing country, and it's you know white supremacist, fascist, white supremacist foundation to this nation that exists systemically through every single aspect of our government, law enforcement, military, etc. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. As I, as I as I as I get older and I just you know think think through things, I I start. I've come to believe that all of us have a sort of common sense conscience that would tell us basically what is right and wrong. And and it is wrong to criminalize a life-saving treatment for a woman with an ectopic pregnancy. Does that do you need to does anybody need to really explain that? To me it's absolute common sense. And so the loss of common sense um, and this and this is what happens with fascism, right? Rationality and, and reason and common sense arguments don't fly anymore because it's all about control and oppression and exploitation, right? And domination. So let me I, let me. Why don't we conclude with uh, first of all, thank you everybody for participating. You know, it's a small group of really wonderful people, and I value uh, each of you so much for being here participating. Why don't I end with Leela? Do you want to? Maybe say a final word and we can wrap this up and people can get on with their evenings. And, and once again, thank you. So, Leela, you want to go ahead? Okay. Hi, everyone. First, I just want to say thank you to everyone for being here, for your kind words, for holding space for my story, for Shauna's story, and for all the other women who experience these painful things, and for the women who will need life-saving surgery or who need abortions or who need this health care in their lives. And, and one thing to remember is that no matter how much these white lawmakers try to limit access to abortions, these abortions are going to happen anyway. Women are going to continue to seek abortions. They're just not going to have access to safe abortions. We're going to go back to the days of back alley abortions and more women having losing their lives and going into sepsis and having all sorts of other horrible things happen to them because these white men are are blocking access for them. There'll be access for their wives. The wealthy white women will always have access to the treatment 
and the abortions that they need. And their, their mistresses will have them too. As we've seen, a number of these men who have been so staunchly anti-abortion send their mistresses to have abortions when it's necessary for them. So, you know, thank you again for holding space and keep holding space for all the women in your lives and all the women across this country because all we have is our voice. And I really wish there were a time where me, Shauna and other women don't have to share our pain to let people know what's going on. We should be able to just live our lives and have our care, but unfortunately we have to. And, and we do this so people know what's going on. For all the people who aren't on social media, who don't have any platforms to share what they're going through, they're out there. We're holding space for you, hold space for them, donate to organizations, speak loud, let's, let, let's stand together and, and, and let's, let's keep up this fight. Thank you. Thank you, Leela. You know, one of the things that Leela doesn't talk about on Twitter um, or elsewhere is that she actually comes from a family of nurses, um, including her mother. And she worked in nursing in, in places like Sloan Kettering and, and um, Mount Sinai. And, and so Leela, for all of her 20s, was a caretaker uh, and helped people who were, you know, in terrible, terrible condition with cancer or spinal cord injuries. You know, she's an extremely caring human being. So I just um, thank you, Leela, for everything you've done to help other people. Um, well, I, I'm going to wrap, and I just want to say thank you again. Um, you guys are wonderful people. So have a wonderful night, and and I'll talk to you hopefully next week. Take care, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.